Hi, this is Tara Lawn. Welcome to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. Since the summer months are upon us and many kids are on their screens more, I'm replaying episode 18 where I speak with parenting expert Rena Patel. Rena is a guidance counselor, a licensed educational psychologist, and a board certified behavior analyst. Today, she's going to talk about appropriate screen time for kids and teens especially during the summer months and especially during social distancing. Hopefully you'll enjoy this episode and pass along some invaluable information to your kids. So today we're going to be talking about kids, teens, and technology and just navigating screen time, especially during the quarantine. But first, I do want to start by just going back to what the experts recommend for kids and teens before the shelter in place. Mm -hmm. Um, So from my understanding... Uh, children under two years old should have no technology, no screen time at all. Is that correct? That is correct. So um, WHO, which is the World Health Organization, had recently come out with an updated study and recommendation for children under two not to be exposed to any screen time. In fact, they done there's research that supports uh, changes in their brain development in terms of cognitive uh, gains. And so they had made that adjustment. And really it is uh, when they're young children under the age of two, um, infancy to toddlerhood, they are developing so many skills when it comes to language, motor development, small motor, big motor. Uh, They're learning and they are curious about their surroundings. And the minute you put a screen in front of them, it's funny because you'll hear, and you might know this too, is parents will say, I just don't know how my child knows how to use an iPhone. And it's just because it's so stimulating and so exciting. It just gravitates them and it quickly, you just push something and you get some type of response and, and reaction. And so I really agree with their recommendation. Um, and, uh, currently kids, even you talked about as they're getting older, they recently did a study and teens between the ages of eight to 18 spend on average seven hours or more a day looking at screens. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I don't doubt that at all. But, um, so for kids, let's say, um, parents have little ones under two that are on screens, um, let's say hours at a time. Like what, what do you think the harm could be? long term for their small child, you know, being on screens just for any period of time? So what happens is you're doing what's called one, the amount of uh, fluorescence of the lighting, for example, extended use does cause headaches, it does damage their eyes, we are um, becoming their attention factor, their attention skills, their ability to stay on focus and task uh, gets less. Um, because they're not used to then waiting. They've got that immediate feedback. And so that's one aspect. The other aspect is what are they being exposed to on the screen? How is it being monitored? What are we as parents doing? It's very difficult. I know I can speak for me, myself. It's very hard for me to just be there 100% of the time making sure I'm monitoring what it is that they're uh, they're being, um, they have access to. I mean, even think about a YouTube channel, there is commercials that come in between. And so what is happening in terms of their ability to know what's from right and wrong? And when they're young, they don't have that understanding. So oftentimes we don't have those discussions. So it's not that they, there's a lot of learning. There is some good that comes from being 
behind a screen. There are great uh, educational programs out there, but it's very important for us as parents to be involved and have those discussions afterwards and then monitor the amount of time. There's so much good that can happen out away from a screen in terms of learning and social development um, that um, they don't get. And one of the big things is when we talk about social skill development and relationships, that back and forth, when you're behind a screen, you don't get that type of reciprocity. Right, right. It, now, do you think that um, screen time at an early age, like under two, could contribute to ADD or ADHD in kids? Uh, the attention factor is is true. Um, to say that it's a direct link, it would be hard because there's so many other factors um, that we have to consider. But yes, just the fact that we're talking about impulse control and attention, mm-hmm. uh, it can definitely um, aggravate that, I should say, it could definitely escalate that. Um, so you don't, if you've got a child who has a temperament, who's a little bit more active, um, putting them, you know, oftentimes you'll see parents to calm them down. They'll give them a screen, give them a device, give them a, you know, a smart device, uh, the iPad, for example. Um, it's, I would say it's more detrimental. It's not something that you want to do. Right. Okay. And then as kids get older, I, I read two to five year olds, one hour is appropriate. Is that correct? Right. Yes. And one hour screen time. So many miss that. They don't realize TV cons- is considered that too. Behind a computer, gaming is considered that too. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing a, a um, they used to call them DSs, but you're playing sw- the Switch or any of those games, those are all co- encompasses screen time. If you're going to watch a family movie, that's considered screen time. And so make sure you really look at that. Um, what I do like to do is set those locks, set those limits. So I know it's a hard power struggle sometimes for parents. And so if you set it up where it automatically turns off or they can't gain access to it, that's the rule. That's the way that device works. And that if you start to introduce that at an early age, then it's just part of your family rules. Yes. Um, now for older kids over five years old, two hours plus or just two hours and that's it? For yeah, over five. Two, over five. So three to five, one hour per day, six to 10. I like to say one to 1.5. When you hit that middle school age is where I like the, I want to say 11 to 13, we do our, the two hour limit. Um, again, I have to preface this too, because schools understandably are really moving towards a more, I mean, books are even online, right? For them to be able to access. And so really differentiate what's educational versus what is free for all, uh, more recreational, because you're going to have to have a little, especially understanding where we are now, you're going to have to be a little bit loose with that. Uh, But there are some great, um, supports out there, the blue glasses, uh, to help with that extended use of screen when it is in an educational setting. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just actually got some of those blue light glasses for my kids. So now that we're in the COVID environment now, of course, kids, everyone's on screens more. I mean, my kids, their distance learning, just their distance learning is two hours plus per day because they're on zoom calls twice a day. So really in that, um, theory of the two hours of screen time that will fall into that that would eat up all their screen time just with their distance learning Mm -hmm. right yes absolutely and that's what we are seeing now and so you're going to see more fatigue and and just exhaustion emotional they're just drained emotionally because they're having to shift right and so it's not just I'm playing a fun game where I don't have to use a lot of 
thinking for and the type of thinking I'm saying, think about the learning aspect of it, right? Something new, something challenging. I'm having to attend uh, for a longer period of times to make sure I'm absorbing all the information that I need. We're using different neurons, different synapses. We're trying to make those different connections. And so uh, it is harder. And so the one thing I want to tell parents, all of us, is cut yourself some slack. Be okay with it. I know it's hard. It's not that you're lowering your expectation. We're just adjusting it for what time we are in. Uh, Know that wherever they're not having to be engaged in an online platform, Make sure they're outside. Make sure they're away from doing anything screen related. Uh, Go outside, give them a little bit of a break, engage in those board games, spend time with their siblings. And but we want to make sure when they are on the screens, we're using it for an efficient amount of time. And it's for something that is either educational or that they're maybe engaging with some type of virtual call with a fam- extended family member or a friend, because you don't want to forget about those opportunities as well. Right. So so now that we're in this season, I know it's a temporary season. So let's say there's um, tweens, teens online for, let's just say eight hours plus per day, uh, including their distance learning. Um, let's say they're watching a movie with their family. And of course, you know, they want to have their own private gaming time with their friends. <laughs> right. So let's say for a whole summer, because, you know, there's a lot of working parents out there and they can't have, there's no summer schools available right now, but so they have to depend on their children being home and just kind of putting them on a schedule, which includes a lot of screen time. So let's say for the whole summer, eight hours per day, you know, their child is on the screens. Like what kind of negative impact might you see once the shelter in place is lifted and we go back to quote unquote normal? I mean, first of all, I think there is we should look at and identify what is a virtual face to face platform. So, for example, if you and I were seeing each other, I'm still seeing that having that human connection. Right. And so. Um, children who are doing remote learning, they're still seeing their teacher. It's not um, a three-dimensional or two-dimensional cartoon figure moving around, right? Mm-hmm. So there is that type of en- engagement. And so remember, those are beneficial. It's it, We're teaching children some of the same skills. They're developing their empathy. They're attending to, they're having to wait um, because it's spontaneous, right? They are having to look at social cues. And so those are very acceptable. I think that's important to have those um, versus not in the summer. So there are some virtual camps there. There are going to be some Attend, you can attend a virtual museum and so allow for those since we can't really get outside as much and be in large crowded uh, situations. Uh, my concerns are, of course, because when we do ultimately transition back, it is probably going to be what's called a hybrid model. Um, schools are not going to be full force. There is going to be um, differences in, in how it's going to look. If your child takes a bus for um, transportation, it's not going to be completely filled. And so there are going to be some changes and um, there's going to be a lot of transition and we don't know the outcomes. There haven't been studies yet, unfortunately, um, because we haven't been in a situation like this. So all I can anticipate, uh, you are potentially might see some behavior changes. You might see some irritability. You might see um, uh, less ability to attend to conversations, tasks. Now, do I consider that going to turn into something like an attention deficit disorder? Um, no, I'm not 100% um, sold on that. 
I do think we always have to find that balance. Um, we have to maintain healthy usage as much, much as we can. Um, it's okay to pick up a phone versus do a, a FaceTime chat or use Snapchat. I, I want to jump into social media because I am thinking about our teens. I think it's important to also step away from that. Uh, maybe instead of um, posting on Instagram, maybe it is like let's reach out to a friend and have that face-to-face type of interaction and check in with them. And so trying to find ways that we can be creative. Right. So yeah, so let's talk about the um, the summer because I know a lot of parents are trying to figure out what to do with their kids in the summer, especially working moms. So I know you have three kids, two teens, just from your own point of view, like, have you been thinking about that for your kids, like what their summer might look like away from screen time? Can you, maybe you can give us some of your ideas. <laughs> maybe you can help Absolutely. us. Absolutely. I mean, I know because <laughs> I mean, we're working. I mean, I wish yeah. I could take the summer too. <laughs> yeah, me too. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's many of us. It's many of us, especially frontline. My husband's a physician, so frontline worker. And, and so it is, it's hard. Single parents, it's hard. And, and the best thing I can, uh, the goal is to teach our children autonomy and our teens definitely should have those independent skills. And so sit down with them. You want to get buy-in. You don't want to be in a situation where you tell your children, especially your teens, what they have to do. And I love using this time to teach about what's a privilege and what's not, because many of our children are very lucky. We live in a privileged society and having a smart device is really a privilege. Having a laptop, having the ability to even attend school is such in a remote way that is using an online platform is very much a privilege. There are many teens out there who who don't, who are in a very different family dynamic and possibly don't even have a device. And so I think it's important to all, all of our teens so much are global, global citizens and just refresh their minds and remind them in the times that we are in. And secondly, create a plan, create a daily plan. You could easily lose track of time and um, do nothing, right? And just sit in front of a TV or just sit on your phone and then the day goes by. And so we want to create times that are important, especially when they first wake up in the morning. I love to not have them right in front of a screen. I want them to to, you know, come to the kitchen, like, let's have breakfast together, or let's have dinner together. Uh, One of the things I encourage parents to ask their children, have those device free um, moments, I have a little DIY box that I made to put our phones in to put our gadgets in. So it's out of sight, out of mind. And we're when we're at the dinner table, we go around. And one of the things I always say is what went well, focus on the positives, what went well today, and ask your ask everybody in your family, even the little ones and get them started on those conversations. And as parents, just listen, your teens don't want judgment, they don't want you to jump in, they want you to listen. And sometimes it's all about just validating what they're feeling, because it is frustrating for them right now, we have to empathize, they're missing important milestones, they've missed prom, they've missed birthday parties, they've missed graduation. And so it's important to just relate in a way what they're feeling. Don't bring in what you went through in your own childhood. Don't bring in how it's hard for you. Uh, We want to be there for them. And then um, create times of must-dos. What are the things that are important for us to must-dos? And those are also chores. Your children are home. Please don't take on too much as a parent. You've got well-bodied 
children in your house who are capable of doing some laundry, helping out with dishes, tidying their room, make sure you you know, you hold them to that. And oftentimes, um, be what I call behavioral contracts are really good to put in place. And so you put their name on there and you have them say, you know, I, you know, Susie will be doing this, this and this by the end of the week and sign their name to it because it holds them accountable. It's really important. And then you want them to feel that sense of accomplishment. So once something is accomplishment, accomplished, it's important for them to know that you're proud of them and be very specific with and descriptive with your praise. That goes a long way. Oh, I love those ideas. I, I like the idea of like starting off with them not on devices. I mean, my kids, they get up very early, you know, before us. So uh -huh. I try to have the rule be, okay, if you get up between this time and that time, you have to read. If you get up at this time, okay, you can get on your gaming. But I like the idea of not even getting on any gaming until everyone's up and maybe we have all, we all have breakfast together and we can actually talk and then talk about the day. I'm also trying to put my kids on a summer schedule. I'm, I'm just crafting it right now, which will include learning Spanish and I mean, of course, it's still going to be online, some of this. I like what you said about the virtual museum, you know, things like that, learning activities. Mm -hmm. So you think the idea of getting a schedule together and a plan, you think that's important to give to, to teens? Uh, is that also for tweens and also kids, like having them be on a schedule for the summer? I agree. I think it's so important um, to time management is such a life skill, right? Creating a schedule really allows for that. It lets you see visually where are you spending most time? What, how much time do you need to do something uh, with our teens? I've got daughters. Um, I've got one who could probably spend hours getting ready in the morning. And it's one of those things that you really don't need to be spending so much time doing your hair. Or, I mean, we're just in the house. And, and so let's put aside some of that makeup. And so you just want to create, um, we're teaching life skills. We're, we're not going to be living, our goal isn't to live with our children forever. Yeah. And so we want them to be out, be independent. We want them to be able to get ready for work, be able to, you know, hit that first deadline, that first meeting. And then be able to come home and unwind and enjoy their own, you know, ultimately their own kids, their own family. And so what you are giving them is a gift of life lessons. And we want to model that, too. It's important as parents that just if we're telling our children, and our teens and our preteens, even our little ones not to be on a device, we shouldn't be on the device as well. And set up those, even for yourself, set up those timers, set up those screen time locks after so many minutes or so many hours of apps and devices. And a lot of smartphones have those and you should be using them. And in fact, I review it with my own children. My husband and I do of how much time at the end of the week or at the end of the day, we let them know how much time they've spent um, on their devices. And when they see those graphs and when they see that, they're like, oh my gosh, I spent this much time on Instagram or I've spent this much time doing this. It really allows them to know where they're at and it, it is that aha moment and you will see a shift because they don't want to do that they there's so many other things and the other great question you should ask is what could you have been doing away if you weren't spending this much time on your phone what else could you have accomplished today and it's such an important conversation it's a discussion i think uh, we're all growing as a family and it's important to um 
to parent unconditionally. And it's important to show that you can make mistakes because when children know that it's okay to make mistakes, they really do want to problem solve and try harder. And then I I think I've I've heard you speak about kids or teens, tweens, when they say they're bored. And you said that's a good thing, actually, for them to be bored. Um, Now, do you say that because they should try to find something to do on their own during that time? Like, why do you say it's a good thing that they should be bored? Well, creativity is, um, research has shown too, creativity, people who are creative are often healthier well-beings. It's attributed to wellness. And uh, it's a huge trait. And so learning to be bored, knowing what to do when to be bored is so important. And just sitting still. How many of us have sat still for at least five, 10 minutes and just done nothing. It's the hardest exercise to do, right? Right. And so one of the things that we want to teach our children is that one, it's okay to not do anything. And two, that when you're not doing anything, so much learning is going on, so much more observation and awareness. We talk about mindfulness and we talk about self-discipline. And um, those who can sit and just create or just be is so important for your mind, body, and soul. And and it's a great exercise. And maybe it is starting with your little ones sitting around and, and just playing I spy. Or maybe what do you see around you? It doesn't mean that you have to be so silent. It's just that you have to be able to let your body rest. And, and, and co- children who come to you saying, I'm bored, don't try to enable them and giving them things to do. It's really important to, oh, you are bored. Thank you for sharing that. Now go off and try to find something to do and come back and check in with me and let me know what you found. And so it's really important to teach them how to create, how to build, how to work with their imagination. And same with teens and tweens. Just because they're bored doesn't mean they have to do something. It's a great time for them to rest and relax, listen to some music, find things that are a little bit more leisure and recreational to do. Right. I like like that. Um, And then as far as exercise, how much exercise per day would you recommend for kids? Oh, kids really need to get out and move. And um, Go Noodle is a great um, uh, online um, platform if you are having to find be or have children um, exposed to screen because it's very engaging. But children need at minimum half an hour, 40 minutes. I mean, I've got exercise is so much part of our mental wellness and not just our physical wellness. And so if they can find something they're motivated to do, whether it's playing, you know, playing basketball, running around, playing tag, jumping rope. Um, we have, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to have, we have Peloton. So my daughters are on the the bike, uh, when we can go out, go for family walks, being socially distant. It's really important to just move at any age. And, and that really does help with stress and anxiety or children, especially our teens are dealing with a lot of anxiety. In fact, there is a higher prevalence of anxiety with our teens than there were just 15, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And Mm -hmm. so, I think it's really important to embed and make sure that's in your summer schedule time for them to get up and move and all you and it, take breaks. Don't sit behind a screen for hours and hours with every 15, 20 minutes behind a screen. Turn your eyes away for about five minutes, three minutes or get up and move and stretch. And then we'll, that will do wonders in terms of your ability to attend and be more alert and more motivated. And so make sure you embed those throughout your day as well. Oh, good. I, I love that. Uh, and what was the name of the website you mentioned? Oh, Go Noodle. Go Noodle is a great, um, engaging, active website. 
Okay, awesome. Now, have you heard about kids or teens, tweens having addictions to technology? Yes. Okay. Yes. What, what does that well, look like if parents are wondering if their child yeah. has this? Well, you're going to, so it's important to know um, technology, and I, I go back to social media as well, because when we talk about teens and tweens, when we talk about technology, it's not just they're looking and at a phone. Oftentimes, it's because they are on a social platform, and so you have to be very careful about the um, that we talk about the fear. The the we make a joke about it. We call this fear of missing out, right? This fear that if I'm not there, if I'm not engaged, if I'm not checking in to see who's liking or commenting. It's a real um, mental health uh, challenge. And so we have to look at their mood. We need to make sure if, they, if your child is withdrawn, if um, they're at loss of appetite, if they are not their usual self, those are red flags and you need to check in. And part of it is going to be looking through their phone. As parents, you're, you are entitled to do spontaneous checks. It's important for you to know what is going on in their social world. And I recommend as parents, if your child has any app, if they're on a Facebook, if they're on Instagram, if they are on Twitter, if they're on Snapchat, you need to have accounts yourself. You need to be know exactly what the ins and outs are. Uh, for parents who do, you have to monitor their social media platforms. It's very important for you to put that, for your child to put on there that they're accounts are parent monitored have that on and you have to be able to have access you as parents can add your child to an account they shouldn't have their own account and so it's important for you to be as much in the know as they are and one of the exercises I recommend especially in the summer is to turn off or pause their accounts it's not that it needs to go away I want you to practice I want you to practice with your teens and your tweens that we can take a mental pause from our device and from our social platforms. You start with a week, maybe you do two weeks. I had my daughter do an entire 30 days. And by doing that, I it was very hard in the beginning because you're so dependent on that. I need to have my phone. I'm so used to having that device. We, we keep it outside the room. You, you are not on a device in general 30 minutes before you go to bed because you are not gonna get good sleep. And sleep is so important when it comes to growth and mindset. And so it's really important if you can play those types of engage in those types of exercises it really teaches your child confidence and it helps them know that they are not dependent on this particular device mm, that's good um so let's say it's time for kids to take a break just a, a daily break from their devices uh, let's say they've been gaming for some time is there, a, is there a way that you would recommend getting them off of these devices? Because sometimes they can get so wound up, you know, playing these games that like you tell them to get off the device. Even if you give them a warning, it's like, well, I'm going to lose all my inventory if I don't do this. Well, I'm good. This is going to happen if I don't do this. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So is there, a, would you recommend a way to kind of transition them off of those devices where their brain, I guess, is coming back down to normal, if that, that makes any sense? No, I, do, I agree, and I think the hardest part is that power struggle, and that's why all of these games and devices have uh, limits you can set up time limits for, and I think it's important to let them know ahead of time how much time. I love egg timers. I love sound timers. I love timers that work that are meaningful for your child. Um, 
But it's just, it is, it, in order to be able to earn, see, this is a privilege, right? To be able to play, to game is a privilege. And so really letting them know that those privileges can also be taken away. We can put them on for breaks. We don't have to have them all the time. And so it's something that we are lucky to be able to earn. Yeah. And so you want to make sure that that system and that type of contractual agreement uh, is is created prior to even getting go. And even for a child who's three years old, you can start to make those those types of discussions and have it's a privilege. We're very it's very um, grateful to be able to be, be able to watch a show. We're very grateful to be able to play a game on a device. And and if you do, you have to earn it. And initially they get an opportunity and they get excited about it, but you do have to set limits. And at the end of the day, you are parents and you are in control of the dynamics and what goes on. And sometimes there are consequences. And as parents, it's okay to have consequences. Right. And I, I love what you said about them earning it. It's not a privilege. And I like what you said earlier about monitoring your children's kids accounts, because I think sometimes as parents, we feel like we're spying on them as, as if we were reading their diary, like if we're monitoring their activity or their accounts or their chats or whatever. So I, I like that you, you said that, because I think maybe a lot of parents are unsure about that, if it's okay <laughs> to monitor, you know, everything that they do. I know I do. I check Google searches, like everything. I look at that daily just to, you know, make yeah. sure they're safe. Well, it empowers you. And the one thing I want to tell uh, if any parent who might feel that you're um, encroaching on the privacy is, is imagine this, because children do experience peer pressure. Every child does as at a young age um, will feel the need to be influenced. And if they can use you as a parent, as a scapegoat, it's the most powerful thing. And I'll give you an example. And this is something separate versus our dialogue today. But but if a child is out somewhere and they are being asked to try something, whether it's drugs or alcohol, if they can use their parent as a scapegoat, it's a better better out for them. It's a better exit for them. Well, you know, my, my mom, she can smell anything. She's like a hound dog. I, I don't want to go there with her. She's going to get me in trouble. You know, if you could create that type of system, you were saving your child from, from so much. And so I think it's important um, for you to be in control. Let your, let your child know that I am the parent. I'm not your best friend. I'm here to create and enforce rules for your own safety. And they may not understand it now, but they will unfortunately be in a situation where they will need to use you to be able to get out of something. And so it's very important for you to create rules and enforce them. Right. That's that's great. Uh, and then also, lastly, I know you have some children's books that you've written. Can you tell us about those books and the age ranges for those? Yes, I have been working with schools for over 20 years. And I'm a, um, I've trained in school psychology, educational psychology. And um, and when mental health is huge and mental wellness is huge. And um, my first book, um, My Friend Max, really is about having books and resources that are hopefully available in every classroom and for every parent available on um, Amazon. My Friend Max is a story about a child who has autism and it's teaching children compassion 
in kindness and how to be inclusive. And a, a young girl, and these both my books are targeted for children three to 10 years of age. It goes through a story about how, how she befriends this child and she learns about the disability, but it's much more than understanding what autism is. It's more about, wow, there's a classmate in my classroom who's different. How can I be accepting? How can I make sure everyone treats everyone with kindness and fairness? And at the end of this book, there are great tips and tools that I provide for educators and parents and caretakers on how to take this story and actually apply it. In my second book, Winnie and Her Worries, is pretty much an anxiety relief toolbox for not only children, but for parents and caretakers, <clears throat> excuse me, as well. And Winnie really is about, and it goes back to what you and I were chatting about, is anxiety is so prevalent. And what happens is when I work with teens, so much is a habit, so much is embedded. And self-esteem and confidence and the fact that children and teens are so much harder on themselves than they need to be, um, I wanted to start young. I wanted to give them these life skills and coping skills on how to address this. So when I get them as teens, they're so much more confident and they're not, um, it's not something that um, is hard to shift. And I also, as a clinician, believe anything that I teach and anything that I practice in a therapeutic setting is so important to just give and share to the world. It's not something that we should be doing in isolation. And so Winning Her Worries is a book, a story about teaching children at a young age about stress and anxiety and how to address it and how to cope with it with fun and practical tools and tips and ways that we can implement at school and at home. Wow, that's excellent. That that's those sounds like those sound like wonderful books. Are are you um, working on any other material? Yes, I mean these are all children's books. I believe in children's stories, and I think they're more they're just fun and motivating. And I love them to be read at bedtime or even in a classroom amongst all a, ch uh, a lot of children. And so the next book I, I'm starting to kind of put works um, together is teaching children about um, gratitude. Uh, why is it important to be grateful and how lucky we are for the small things that we have? And so I, I am in writing them as you and I are speaking and, and hopefully it'll be out, out um, in the market soon. Oh, excellent. And then, Rena, where can people find you if they want to know more information about you or purchase one of your books? Um, my website, www.renabpatel.com. Follow me on Instagram at renabpatel. I am constantly providing daily parenting tips and uh and obviously i'm on twitter and um, facebook as well right and you're on youtube as well right yes i youtube and i have um there's something similar called vesby it's a, my vesby channel and i do have um if you go onto my website i have a parentology um it's my a pilot type of talk show that i started to uh, record uh, for and um, and I also have a clothing line for moms oh. out there. Yeah, it's called it's it's Parentology. You can access the store on my website. It's fun, humorous shirts that say "Because I said so." There's no hood like motherhood. I mean, just fun things that we think in our oh, mind. And we yeah, know I love those wear. shirts. Yeah, I love those graphic. <laughs> I've got tees. some hoodies and baseball caps and things that just have been fun and comfortable. And it's all uh, accessible on my website. Thanks for listening to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. If you liked what you heard today, please be so kind and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.